But I want to jump right in. I want to say hello to our New York crew that's joining us online. So excited to have you guys with us. I'm so excited for the message today. This is something that I've got a huge heart for. You know, we're in our algorithm series, and if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you, if you're not taking notes, to find something you can write write something down on. If you can't find paper, grab a pen, steal one from your neighbor, grab your neighbor's arm, something that you can write on, whatever it is, um, because I really do believe there's something God wants to speak to you today. Not because I think I'm in a great, amazing communicator, but I believe that God has imparted something for today that is specifically for you. So I want to encourage you anytime. How many of you guys want to hear God speak? Then we need to come prepared. And honestly, that is whoever's speaking anytime. If we want to hear God speak, then we need to come prepared to listen. If I'm going to ask somebody for directions, I don't just stand there and hope I remember them. I write them down because I don't want to get five turns in and be like, uh, was that a right or a left? But I think a lot of times we kind of do that with God's voice. It's like, hey, God, give me direction in this area. And you're like, okay, okay, I got it. And then we get down a little ways like, uh, God, was it a left or a right? Where was I supposed to go on this? Right? Let's write down what God's speaking so that we can go back, reflect on that, and remember it. And I promise you, it is something that will benefit you in your life to be able to write those things down whenever God speaks something that you feel like really is important to you. So we're talking algorithms. The pattern of compassion is what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I want to jump right in. Uh, I want to share a little bit with you guys about our Love Our City uh, so we did our Love Our City event yesterday. It was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for everybody who was able to come out. I know there were several who had other engagement and weren't able to be here, but we had probably probably around 70 people who came and went out uh, for our Love Our City event yesterday, and it was phenomenal. We took baskets to all of the police and fire stations in the Mid-Dell area, so Midwest City and Dell City. Uh, we also had a group of people who were able to go downtown and feed the homeless, take a food truck, and just pray with people, talk to people. And I'm talking, I, I want to pause. Like, I think a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, we did something good. No, I want us to really catch something. When I say we were able to go down and feed the homeless, that's not like pat on the back. We were able to do something good for somebody who was in need. How many of you have been in need in this room in one time or another in some area of your life? We've got to be really careful as Christians. I'm trying not to jump too far into my message here, but we've got to be really careful as Christians that we don't simply do things to make ourselves feel better, but we truly understand the heart of God that we're carrying, that we need to help somebody in a time where they are in need. We're all going to be in that situation at one time or another, so we need to carry the heart of the Father that is a compassionate, loving heart that says, hey, you need help, I'm here for you, Right? And we need to carry that with the right perspective. And it is beautiful to be able to see people of all ages. I know we had some people that went, I think they were, like we had sixth graders that are down there handing out food, sitting and talking with people that are homeless and just loving on people. That's the heart of Jesus right there is to say any age, I'm going to come in, I'm going to love on you. Dozens of people we were able to feed yesterday and talk to and pray with and invest in them and dignify them with a conversation. On top of that, we had another crew that went right down here to the cash saver, and we're giving out gas cards, and it was phenomenal. We were able to give away over $1,300 in free gas yesterday morning and pray with about 100 people that we were able to just pray with and say, hey, what can we do, or what can we pray for you about? No hook. Like, not, we'll give you a gas card if you come to church on Sunday morning. No, they got a gas card there, and we said, how can we pray for you right now? 
And that was it. Like, that's really important that we get. It is important to love people because we're supposed to love people, not because we want them to do something for us. So that was the heart of everything we did yesterday. It was such a phenomenal event. You get to come out and invest and do that. Uh, we've also been asked later this month, we'll actually be hosting. Uh, the governor's wife is doing a back-to-school event for foster families. So on the 26th, that Tuesday, uh, it's a free back-to-school event where they're going to have inflatables for the kids, be giving away school supplies and things like that for foster families who are in need. So we'll actually be hosting that on the 26th of this month. So if you guys would like more information on how you can uh, be involved or if you'd like, if you're a foster family and would like to participate, uh, you can touch base with Dana after service. She'll be out in the lobby. You can connect with her uh, and she'll be able to give you some more information on that. But I love what God is doing in the church right now. It's so important for us to be able to come together as a church and say, hey, we serve a loving God who wants to transform your life. <laughs> Not we serve an awesome God, come to our church but we serve a loving God who wants to transform your life. Let's let him start transforming your life. And hey, we know a great church where you can get great community and connected if you want to build and go from there. But the most important thing is you understanding that God cares for you and loves you. It's that simple. So I want to jump in this morning. A pattern of compassion. You know, algorithms, I talk to people a lot especially in youth ministry, like, well, what about this social media platform, and what about this, and is this okay, and should my kids have this, and what about this, and I've heard bad things here, and I hate to break it to you, but it's all algorithms. So I've talked to, I've, I've talked to people before, and I had this conversation with a youth pastor one time, and it cracked me up. Uh, he was talking, he said, you know, one of my friends, he said, he just, he got TikTok, he was like, man, everything that comes on here is just horrible. And he's like, you know, it's an algorithm. So what you search and what you like is what it perpetuates. So we all need to hear me because that sounds, that, that we're like with social media, like, oh, yeah, I get that. In your life, there are algorithms about your life. The conversations you have, if you keep finding yourself in the same conversation, it's because you're perpetuating those type of conversations in the atmosphere of your life. What is it about our life? What does the algorithm of your life look like? When people look at you, do they think compassion? When people look at you, do they see the loving heart of a Savior? Or when they look at you, do they think, I wonder what's wrong today? When they look at you, is it like, hey, oh, great. Here they come again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys ever been in a conversation? I want to I point something out before I jump into Scripture here. But I want to point something out. You know, the Bible says we have the power of life and death in our tongue. The what we speak has so much more power than we give credit to. How many of you have ever been in a situation, in a conversation, and you've been great, you were having an amazing day, and then that person showed up, right? They get in the car, and they're having a bad time, and they're saying something, and they're negative, and all of a sudden it's like, this day's horrible, right? And you're frustrated, and you're angry, and you were great. But then they had to come in with all their negativity, right? Let's flip that. How many of you guys done that the other way around? You've gone in and you've had a conversation with somebody, and it's like, man, they were horrible. And you were like, no, 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 like. But let's think about the good stuff, right? That conversation can go both ways. You have the, uh, hear me, 
you have the ability to affect the atmosphere of someone's life, whether positively or negatively. Power of life and death is in your tongue. Are you bringing life to that conversation or are you speaking death over it? And we've got to be really careful as Christians what we're carrying into the situations that God has given us entrance into because we carry the presence of God everywhere that he gives us entrance. So we need to carry that correctly. I want to go through a fairly big portion of scripture with you today. And then I'm going to jump back in. Uh, but I want to give the whole thing and then we're going to kind of piece it apart. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke 15. We're going to start at verse 11 or you can turn them on and flip there however you prefer. This is the parable of the lost son. I love this story. There's so many beautiful things we can pull out of it, but we're going to jump in at verse 11. It says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them, a man had two sons. The younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed, divided the wealth between his sons, and a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all of his money on wild living. About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and I'm out here dying of hunger. Verse 18, he says, I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired hand. So he returned home to his father, and while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming, Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring your finest robes in the house and put them on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine who was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but he was now found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. And when he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he told him. Your father has asked to kill the fatted calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out, and he begged him, and he replied, all of these years I have slaved for you never once refusing to do a single thing that you've asked me to do. All this time, you've never given me a young goat to feast with my friends, yet the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing a fatted calf. His father said to him, look, son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead, but now he is back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. It's a phenomenal story, and I want to jump in, and I want us to look at a lot of parallels that are in this. And there's really two perspectives that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about both sons this morning. But the first one, I want us to jump back to the very beginning of this. And I love the parallel that happens here because you've got one son who says, hey, I want everything I've got right now before you die. And the other son who 
patiently serves his father and will receive his word after his father dies. First of all, is that not a beautiful depiction of what really goes on in the world today? People who want to live outside of the grace and relationship with God and say, God, I want all my blessing. I want everything I can get right now for the life that I'm living. And they have no perspective of what's going to come later in life. They want what they want right now, and they live every day for the moment of satisfaction and gratification that they can get in whatever moment they're facing right now. But see, here's the thing that gets me. It says, a few days later, the son packed up his belongings. He went to a distant land, and he wasted all his money on wild living. We've got to be really careful in the church because I think we have a really bad tendency we talk about the grace of God, and we talk about how that God can do for us, but then when we talk about what God saved us from, we talk about it with more excitement and enthusiasm than the relationship that we have right now. And what we really tend to do is glorify the sinful life that we had before we found Jesus, and now we've got things together, and now life is really in order. But man, when I was wild, we did crazy stuff and we were out here. Do you see the difference? And we've got to be really careful that we're not glorifying and remembering the highlights of where we were. And now I'm just doing what God's asked me to do every day, making it till I get to heaven. That's not how God created you. He doesn't want you to just make it till you get to heaven. He created you to have life and life to the fullest. Right now should be the celebration that we have because I don't know about you, but I remember what it was like when I was doing the crazy stuff. And when we talk about those things to people and we remember what it was like back in the day and when, when I was in high school, we did whatever. Or when I was in college or when me and my friends did this and that and we're telling the stories, we don't often tell about the horrible aspects that came with it. We often leave those out, and it's like, man, I remember we used to party all the time, and then when my money ran out, no one was there with me any longer because they could no longer feed off of me, and I was left lost and alone with nobody to rely on. We often leave those parts out when we go back and reflect and we think, and I want to be really careful because as Christians, this is your first blank, by the way. We often contemplate the worth of what we don't have and we negate the value of what God's blessed us with. Man, I remember what it was like to do this, but now, I mean, I'm just working every day, trying to keep my head on straight. How are you, how are you doing this week? I'm making it. Man, I am so guilty of that. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm all right. I got a great family. I've got a job. I've got food on my table. I've got a car that works and gets me where I need to go. I, you, there is so much for me to be thankful for and blessed with, and how are you doing? I'm making it. I'm far more than making it. But often we negate those things because we look at other things that are going on in the world. Well, I'm not living on my yacht, so I mean, I'm, I'm getting there. Really? Like, can I just say, let, let's pause for just a moment. People, I... I don't know about you, but people are like, oh, I don't have a mansion, but maybe one day. Electricity the way it is right now, I don't want to pay to heat a mansion or cool a mansion. Are you kidding me? I'm blessed not to have it right now. I'm just saying. I don't know if you looked at your G&E bill. Never mind. That's a different discussion, right? But where things are, like, we got to be careful. Sometimes the things we don't have are actually blessings in your life. 
Let's look at what we do have and be able to be happy about those and give thanks to God because we have what we have. See, that was the thing about the first son. He was so excited to get what he didn't have, he didn't appreciate all that was already given to him. And the moment he got what he didn't have, he wasted it all because he had never learned how to handle it appropriately. He goes on, I love this, because finally, it says he finally came to his senses. Like, this is a hard one for me. He was so destitute that he was feeding the pigs, and the slop he was feeding pigs looked good. I mean, I want you to think about that for a moment. That's a rough situation, (laughs) y'all. To be there and say, hey, I'm feeding the pigs, and man, that looks good. I don't know how many of you guys have ever been around pigs, but there ain't nothing I've ever been, the only time I've ever been around a pig and thought, man, that looks good is when he was sliced up as some bacon, all right? Not when he's in his pen. Anyway, sorry. Right, but he's there, and he's like, man, I remember my servants, and I want you to catch something. He remembered the servants. He still didn't recognize what he had. So many times in our own life, we find ourselves in this place where we get so frustrated and we're in such despair. We're like, God, why me? Where is this? What's going on in my life? And we're still looking at other people instead of ourselves and what God wants to do in us. I'm telling you, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's always greener where you water it. Where are you investing? Where are you spending your time? I think so many times we get in this position as Christians where it's like, man, I wish I could win the lottery. I wish I could get this job. I wish I could get this promotion. I wish this would happen in my marriage. I wish this would happen. I just want to tell you, stop looking for someone else to change your life and start investing in what God's given you. Let me just throw this out real quick. I know a lot of times, I know I've wrestled with this, man, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better this. I want to be a better that. How many of you guys have ever felt like you wish you were better at something? Let me challenge you with something real quick. If you want to be better, be present. You want to be better, be present. I know so many people, and I've done it myself. I've spent so much time trying to figure out how to fix something. I didn't take time to be where I was and enjoy what was going on in the moment. Man, I want a better relationship with God than be present in worship instead of thinking of all the things you didn't do right this week. Man, I, want to, I just want to hear God's voice better than be present reading your Bible instead of just wishing you knew him more. Be present in the moment that you're in. Be present with your kids. Be present with your spouse. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the money in the world, I promise. Your kids don't care if you have all the money in the world, but they do want you to be there with them. Let's move on. <laughs> There's a portion of this that I want to focus on for just a second. It says, I'll, he says, I'll go home to my father, tell him, he prepares his speech of all the things he's gone on. How many of you guys have ever done that? You've 
screwed up something in your life and you're like about to ask God, for, I've done this. I hope other people have, otherwise I'm gonna feel real weird here. But like you messed up in your life and you like prepare yourself of how you're gonna talk to God about it. Anybody? Like, okay, I know I've done this before. God, I know I've, okay. And like, it's like I'm preparing my prayer before I pray it. Like not really like I'm, I'm talking to you right now about how I'm gonna talk to you, right? I mean, like, he's already there. He already knows. He's already listening. And we're like, okay, here's what I'm going to tell him. Here's how I'm going to work this out. Right? I mean, I don't say it like that. But that's what we do. We try to work this out and navigate this in our own mind. That's what he's doing here. He's like, okay, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to tell him this. Says, so he returned to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him. And he starts his spiel. Father, I've sinned against you and for heaven. It says, but the father said to his servants, quick, go and get the robe. He didn't let him finish talking. Some of y'all need to hear me right now. Some of you guys are holding past mistakes, failures, and shortcomings against yourself while you're talking to God and telling God all the reasons he can't use you right now. And the entire time you're still telling him why he can't use you, he's trying to restore you to who he's called you to be and created you to be, and you're too busy worrying about what you weren't that you're missing who he's trying to create you into. Let me point out something else about this that I love. It wasn't just the father who took him back. What was the father's comment? Turns to the servants, quick, get him a robe, get him a ring, get him the sandals. Part of restoration isn't just you. It's God bringing people around you to help you get where he's called you to be. I'm telling you right now, if you think you're going to do this alone, you are going to be frustrated and you're going to miss out because you were never created to do it alone. You were created to do it with people and restoring people back to where God has called them to be is part of your assignment. Here's your next blank. God never gave up on us, so we can't give up on others. How many times do you want to give up on somebody? Can we be honest for a moment? You got that friend, that family, whoever, and you're like, man, I want to give up on them so bad. I want to ask you something. How many times has God given up on you? How many times did we deserve God to give up on us? How many times did we pray, God, I don't know how, why. I know I've asked you to forgive me for this 986,000 times, but if you'll do 986,001, it'll be the last one, hopefully. Right? And God, like, it was done before you finished the sentence. The thing I love about this story, he was on his way back, and it says the father saw him a long way off, and he ran to him. I believe the reason for that, like, is he was looking. I believe he was looking every day, walking around, looking over the horizon. One day he's coming back. Did you catch what it said? He begins to tell his father all the stuff, and he tells his servant what? Go get the rings, his sandals, and kill the calf we have been fattening. He was ready to celebrate before the son ever came home. Some of y'all need to hear me in your own life. God was ready to celebrate for your homecoming before you ever came home. He was prepared to restore you before you ever realized you needed restoration. He was ready for you before you ever prepared your speech, before you ever got any of that there. Some of y'all need to hear me because there's people in this world, in your life, in your work, in your marriage, in your family that need to know God's ready to restore them even though they haven't said anything yet. So start acting like God wants to restore them. 
See, this is the thing. I love this. This is a great message. We're going to take a little bit of a shift here because I, this is a great message about God's grace and love and compassion for you. And I hope most everybody in this room is already a Christian. For the most part, most of you are in here because you've already got a relationship with God. So, yes, we need to know that God loves us and he'll restore us, but hopefully most of us are already in that point. If you're not, then you need to know it doesn't matter what you've done wrong, God will always forgive you, he will always bring you back, and he's ready to restore you before you've ever even realized you needed it. But here's where the second part comes in. This is where we, as Christians, we often live from the perspective of someone who needs to be saved when we've already been saved, and we, stop, and we need to start living from a perspective of someone who walks in relationship with him. Here's what I mean. Let's jump way down here to the end of the story. Meanwhile, the brother was working in the field. See, the second portion of this, yeah, there is a restoring God who loves us and cares for us. But do you realize there was somebody who never left the house, who served his father faithfully, who did everything he was asked of, who was there and he worked and he spent his time and he cared and he was loving and he did all the things that his father asked him to do, he thought. But when his brother shows back up, he's angry. What does it say? When the celebration started, he refused to go in. His father had to come and beg him. And what was his comment? Let's look at it. All these years I've slaved for you and never once, never once have you given me a young goat to feast on with my friends. Then when this son of yours comes back, Oh, it's his brother. He was so angry. In that moment, he didn't even view him as his brother. He's like, when your son came back. Parents, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're at home. It's like, man, I love my kids. They're so great. And then they do something wrong. Your kid did this. Right? Y'all know exactly. Some of y'all try not to make eye contact right now. I know. I got two. I know how that works. You know what your son did today? Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, great. He's in trouble. Right? When I come home and it's like, guess what our son did? He did something good. You know what your son did? He broke something. They got in a fight. Something got torn up. Right? When all of a sudden that's yours, it's not associated with me, there's a problem. I want you to get something. We've got to be really careful as Christians. We don't live from the perspective of the older brother where it's like, well, this person over here, no, that's your brother. That's your brother. That's your sister. That's who God's called you to be in relationship with. I don't like them. That's fine. You can not like them, but you still got to love them. We still got to love them well. We've got to learn how to celebrate with people. We've got to learn how to truly honor people, have compassion for this situation. We've got a really bad problem in the world that we live in, where we love to help people, where it makes us look like the Savior. You're not the Savior. We simply both serve one. And we've got to be really careful with that. It's good to celebrate. It's good to talk about all that God's doing, but we've got to make sure that we're not doing it from a standpoint of like, look how great we are, right? As Christians, we've got to learn to celebrate well with people. 
and not be frustrated because, well, they didn't do this or they didn't. I'm going to go there. I mean, I know God has a plan for them, but did you see what they wore to church today? Let's love people well. You have no idea how many outfits they went to find the one that was the most appropriate for them to walk in the door with. You have no clue. Well, yeah, but did you see, did you see the stickers that was on their car parking lot? Do you even know it was their car? Maybe they brought, borrowed it just so they could get to church this morning. Quit being so judgmental. One of the number one things that people say as a turnoff about the church is they're so judgmental. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here are messed up? We all are. But we get so frustrated when somebody else's issue looks different than our issue. We all got issues. And the moment we can say that and say there's a loving God that loves us despite our issues, we're able now to bring compassion and begin to reconcile a relationship to say, look, I don't have it figured out, but I would love to help you walk this journey. I don't have all the answers to it, but I would love to help walk this along. But, I mean, I did, Pastor Chris. We became friends, and then I started following him on Facebook. And did you see the political stuff they posted? Probably really offended you because it was opposite of the political stuff you posted. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying politics are bad. They're not. <laughs> but if politics become your identity, there's a problem. We need to live by Scripture, and we need to be defined by the Word of God. So do we love people even if we disagree with them? Do we love people even if we disagree with their lifestyle? Well, Pastor Chris, you're getting touchy now. No, I'm not. Let's, let's look at Jesus for a moment. Jesus preached to thousands with no prerequisite to hearing the gospel. But there were people that he was, but, you know, but Pastor Chris, but, I mean, he was hard on some people. You're right. I mean, he was flat out almost rude in some context with people. You're right. You know who he was talking to every single time? The Christians. The people who were supposed to know their God and weren't acting like it. We get real quick to judge sinners for being sinners, but we're real slow to realize that us who know God may not be acting like those who know God. The hard conversation isn't about the person who's struggling with homosexuality, the person who's struggling in their marriage, the person who's struggling with drugs, with alcoholism, with any of these things, with their pornography addiction. The hard conversation isn't if God loves them. The hard conversation is how do I love them well? Now, there's a difference, and I want to be really clear here. God spoke truth, love, and the gospel to everybody. But those who walked with him, those who truly had relationship, he was hard on. Can you not tarry with me one hour? Like, can you not pray for just an hour? Who did he say that to? The person who was struggling in their life and didn't have a relationship? 
No. Who did he say that to? The person who walked every single day with them. And he called them to accountability in their life. You need to hear me. I'm not saying there are not issues that are sin issues in our world that we need to be honest and let's call biblical truth biblical truth. I'm saying we don't do that with a club. We do that through relationship and conversation and interaction. Jesus didn't beat you into salvation. He loved you into it. And we need to do the same. Don't be so consumed with your righteous living that we forget to celebrate the change that God is doing in others. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that living righteous is not what we need to be doing. I'm saying we need to not be so consumed with making sure we're doing the right thing that we forget to celebrate what God is doing in other people. I'm, I'm, this is not in my notes, but I'm going to go here. I don't know why, but I'm going to go here. I'm going to camp on this for a moment. There is a huge struggle in the world we live in that is facing so much confusion right now. People who are struggling with their identity and sexuality need to be able to walk in this room, and we need to celebrate the fact that they are in this room because that's the first win. But we get so frustrated. It's like, well, what about all these things in our life? What about all the things in yours? What about all the things in everybody else's life? Well, what about, I mean, I know I've been meeting with this guy and trying to walk him through his pornography addiction for the last three months, but God's getting him there. But you're not okay with the person who's walking in struggling with their sexuality? Because they're the same type of sin. They're both six sexual sin. But that's not the one I'm struggling with. Okay. Neither is the alcoholic in the room who's struggling, not struggling with meth. Neither is the one, listen, because here's where we're really going to get fun. We're real quick to say, yeah, but all these big sins. Yeah, but are you being faithful in all of the things God's asked you? What about the little stuff? I mean, I don't do any of those. But did you hear what's going on in their marriage? Oh, yeah, you're right there. If you're sharing all of the information about everything, that's called gossip. And it's right there with it. And this isn't even in my notes. This is a freebie for you this morning. But I was talking with our staff this week. Revelations, it talks about those who are going to enter into the kingdom, or who won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. It talks about those who commit witchcraft, idolaters, liars, all, the, and it's all these things. And it's like, man, yeah, okay, I get that. I get that. But the verse starts with the coward. The coward. And when you look into that, the coward is simply talking about someone who has a belief in God, but they're afraid to share it or talk about it, or they pull away from that belief because of cultural pressure and things that's going on at the moment. Let me tell you, you really want to press into who God's called you to be? Then stand for truth and do it in a loving way. Well, what you're talking about is hard, Pastor Chris. Yeah, that's the point. For some reason, we have gotten an idea of the gospel that is supposed to be easy. Uh, show me one place where Jesus told the disciples, hey, come follow me. It's going to be good. We're going to eat good. We're going to hang out. It's going to be a party. We're every day. We're just going to celebrate and sing and dance. It's going to be amazing. You're not going to worry about nothing. The verse isn't in there. What does he say? Hey, come follow me. People are going to hate you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to try to kill you. 
You want to know why? Just because you know me. It ain't anything you did, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just because you follow me. People are going to hate you. No, God never said it was going to be easy. But we've got to learn how to have compassion on people and truly love people. See, there's something that really stood out to me yesterday when we were trying to give out gas, and it's such a depiction, I feel like, of the culture that we live in today. But we're out there, and we've got signs, and we wanted to make sure people knew what was going on, so we made these big old poster boards that said, free gas cards. And we're standing on the street corner holding up signs, free gas card. All they got to do is pull in. That's it. And this dude pulls up in a truck. He rolls his window down. My oldest son, Riker, is holding his son. Leans out. What's the catch? And I'm, I'm on the other side, and I'm just listening. Riker yells back. He's like, nothing. Just pull in. But what do I got to do? Nothing. What I got to fill out? Nothing. Just pull in. But what are you wanting from me? Nothing. Just pull in. Finally, the light changed, and God's like, whatever, and leaves. So is that not the best depiction of the gospel, though? We live in a world that's like, hey, there's a God that wants to save you. He loves you. He cares about you. But what's the catch? Nothing. No, no, you don't understand. He wants to help every area of your life that you're struggling. But what do I got to do to earn it? Nothing. You just got to take it. But what's the catch? There's no catch. It's free. Salvation is a free gift that we receive through the grace of Jesus Christ because of what was done on the cross. That's it. There's no catch to receiving the grace. There's no catch to receiving salvation. But there is a but. Because once you have it, you got to live like it. So it's kind of like saying, what's the catch to me getting the gas? There's no catch to you getting the gas, but you're going to have to use it after you fill it up. There's no catch to you getting the gas, but then the moment you drive away, you're now driving on the gas that you've been given. There's no requirement for you to get the grace of God, but now once you have it, you've got to live with that grace as you walk beyond it. There's a grace we now should be carrying, a love that we should be expressing in the way that we live our life because we've received it. So it now should be part of what's in us and be coming out of us by the way that we live our life. And he was so skeptical. He just could not get over the fact that we didn't want anything from him. And I wish it was just that one guy. But I mean, it is comical how many of those conversations went on yesterday. We even had some people, and this, again, it was just such a great depiction of what the gospel should be because then we had other people that pulled in, and they're like, okay, but really, what's the catch? And we're like, no, really, nothing, and gave it to them. You know what they did? Boop, 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 boop. For real, it's real free. <laughs> like, what? hold on. 
Who did you have conversation with prior about what the catch was until you found out it was really free? Does that not sound like the world we live in? No, but there's a catch. No, wait, I got the gospel. I got Jesus. There really wasn't a catch. It just started to transform my life. Then get on the phone and tell somebody. Whose life is waiting to be changed because we actually begin to live with the compassion and the love that we were created to live with. So last thing, as the band begins to come back up, I want to end on this thought. See, John 10.10 John 10 tells us that God came, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Not just to make it, not just to get by, not to may one day make it to heaven. See, we have missed the point if we think Jesus came to get you to heaven. You've missed the point. Jesus came to restore a relationship that was broken that would help usher heaven onto earth. That is what Jesus came for. That is how we should live, is to live in the mended relationship through the grace of Jesus Christ so that we walk and live in a way that ushers heaven into the earth everywhere we go. In every conversation, in every workplace that we walk into, in every grocery store that we step foot that we carry a compassion for people because they're broken and hurting and they need to know there is a loving Savior that wants to transform everything about their life. See, the truth of it is you don't have to beat somebody over the head with the gospel if you simply are willing to show them the love of what Jesus has done in you. Let me put it to you like this. Revelations tells us we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the what? Word of our testimony. Anybody like law shows, court shows, anything like that, right? They come in and they give their testimony. What is that? It's their account of the events that happened. Let me rephrase that verse for you so it sounds way less intimidating. We overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ and your account of what he's done in your life. That's it. You want to share the gospel with people? Don't tell them everything that's wrong with their life. Tell them everything that was wrong with yours and what happened when Jesus became a part of it. <laughs> Compassion for others isn't simply telling people what's wrong with them. Compassion for others is having the ability to be vulnerable and let them see what was wrong with you so they can see what God can do in them. One says, hey, I've got all the answers and I can help fix you. That's arrogant. It's pride is not what you are called to. One says, hey, I was broken just like you. Here's how God fixed me. It's humble. It's loving. It's compassionate. And it's everything that speaks about the true nature of Jesus Christ. We need to be a loving people. We need to walk in compassion. The algorithm of your life should be that where compassion is constantly coming to the forefront of your actions. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to ask two things. First, if you're in here and you say, you know, I don't have a relationship with God and I never have, but I'm broken and I need a savior. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand if you want that relationship with Jesus. I want, 
We want to pray with you today. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. The next, I'm assuming everybody in here is now saved. (laughs) If you're in here and you say, you know, I've not been living from a perspective of what it really means to have compassion on people, and I need to walk out of here today with God's perspective. If you need God to help you with you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. All over. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person who just lifted their hand, God, that we would walk out of here in a boldness and a confidence to live for you. God, that we would walk out of here with compassionate heart and loving hands. God, that we would see the world around us as people who need you. And because of what we know you've done in our life, we know what you can do in theirs. God, we pray that you would help us walk out of here in confidence and boldness. Soften our hearts. In Jesus' name. Last thing, I want to ask everybody in the room just to repeat after me. Because that first one was if you wanted to accept Jesus. And I want us to take a moment. We're not going to brush by that. I want it to be last. I want us to take a moment here. When everybody in the room repeat after me, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. Help me to live each day more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, now here's the beauty of it. For all of you who raised your hand and said, hey, I want that relationship with God. Here's the great thing. Now you have it. Second part is this. You also got grafted into that first prayer, so now you get to walk out of here with it and live it out. But I also want to ask, if you did accept Jesus, on the Connect card, when we get to the end, they'll tell you to fill that out. But there's a place on there that says, did you accept Jesus? I want you to mark that. If you, if you raised your hand today and said, yes, I accepted Jesus for the first time, mark that so that we can follow up with you and pray for you and see how we can help you walk this out. Remember, I said earlier, you were never created to do this alone. You weren't. So welcome to the family. Now let's walk this out together. So I want to ask all of us to stand. And I want to ask you, let's celebrate. Let's worship. Many of us raised our hands and said, hey, I want another level of relationship with God. I want to walk out of here with the love and the compassion that God asked me to. Great. And what did we say earlier? Be present. So let's be present in our worship. Let's celebrate. Why are we celebrating? Because we were able to transform the lives of a lot of people this weekend. Because we were able to transform the lives of a lot of people today in this room. Because there are people in this room today who just gave their life to Jesus. And there's a reason to celebrate. So let's celebrate him this morning as we go back in and worship.